You're tuned in to the Three Pixels Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Three Pixels Series 4. I, I'm, I'm surprised we've made it to Series 4, I'm going to be honest with you. So am I. I thought you'd have got rid of me by now. I mean, we say we joke about this every damn series, but I yeah, I think I, I think you know the fact that we both made it here. I'm happy about. I mean, I and you know, into a new decade this time, obviously. 2020. Wow, what a year it's been so far for news. There's been a lot going on. There's been a lot going on. We definitely won't get into that. We definitely aren't involved in the politics of everything. But what we will get into in this episode is online content creators. Yes, the question we've posed ourselves for this episode is. What is the state of being an online creator today? And in order to do that, we need to go back in time to where it all began. Hey, what's up everybody out there in YouTube land? Hey YouTube, how are you? Hey, I'm Jack Douglas. Brandon Rogers. Hi, I'm Ryan Hugo, and I'm John Fidioti. I'm Brookers. Hey, it's Brad. So here we go. So Mike, what's your earliest memory of watching content on YouTube? Yeah, so I can actually tell you the first video I ever clicked on on YouTube, and that was um, Sweet Victory by SpongeBob. And because I really enjoyed the song, and I thought, I wonder if someone's clipped it and gone on YouTube with it. And went on there, I thought, oh, here it is. And then by that point, I just uh, went through like funny videos, you know, like you being framed sort of type yeah, things. Yeah. Just went through it. I, yeah, I just had a blast. I was hooked on it straight away. Well, YouTube started off as the place for home videos, really, wasn't it? People recording moments, you know, the famous one being Charlie bit my finger, just funny moments, things that happened, people would just share them. It was, it was like a video blog, like people would just share and put things that was going on. People weren't necessarily creating things for the platform. People were just uploading things, you know, that that happened that, were f that they wanted to share with their friends. Yeah, so like things, like you said, like Charlie Bit My Finger was a huge one, blew up on the internet before really we even knew the power of YouTube. Yeah. As well as things as simple as kids going down slides, like people's home movies just being documented on, on people's uh, YouTube channels. And it was no real like uh, what we see today. It was really, like I said, a home for people's videos who don't have the uh, space for tape or the SD cards, they put it online just to go back. And I bring up like- What to share with their family and friends. Absolutely, and I, what I say about children going on slides, because I remember as a kid, uh, when I first watched it, like there was things like, in America you have these amazing theme parks. And I remember watching these religiously where teens and, and people my age, just going down slides or going on rides yeah. and all sorts. So that's what I sort of remember from YouTube, from early doors. Yeah, I agree with you. That, that, that was a lot of how it was. It's a lot of stuff I kind of got into. It was these short form little clips that, that were quite interesting. Uh, you know, the, the word content creator didn't really exist. People weren't do, doing or creating content. There was no money involved for it. You couldn't earn any revenue. You did it because you had a clip you wanted to share with the world. And that's kind of how that went. Uh, you know, and, and relatively speaking, everything was kind of straightforward. You know, the, the site was very simple. You just upload a video. You could give something a star rating if you thought it was very good. Do you remember the star rating Wow, system? yeah, I forgot yeah. about that, yeah. Yeah, leave a comment, you know. It was very simple. There wasn't a lot you did. And there was a lot of creators. I mean, there was a handful of creators that really stood out um, at that point. But um, we'll get into more of that later on. So what was your first 
sort of videos that you remember? I know we've already talked about Charlie with my finger. We, we say this because how big it was, especially for early YouTube, how much that took off. And if you even look at it now, the millions of views it has, like the original copy. What sort of your early uh, video memories? Fred, very early on, I remember a lot of his videos. Just because the character he was, he was a big light on there and one of the quick growing stars of the time when that started to become a thing. And that was still very a weird thought at the time that someone would, would get that much following because I mean, let's, let's be honest, social media uh, was very much in its infancy as well. Things like Twitter um, and, um, you know, Instagram wasn't even a thing, Snapchat, like all of these things. So, uh, you know, obviously today TikTok is the big thing. So the thought of, of having a followership like that, that wasn't, that wasn't ever talked about. For you to get like a thousand views on a video was huge. That was massive yeah. because like, if you don't have like an Instagram or a Facebook or even a Twitter, it's hard to get noticed. But back then, if your video was funny or entertaining in any shape or form, you would just attract a load of people. It was very interesting and almost very charming when you yeah. think of how simple and simplistic it all was. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It was, it was kind of like a cool little in club, like that you, that you involved with your friends. Not many people really were that into it or knew what it was. It wasn't talked about the mainstream media. It was a very relatively small company that ran it. And, uh, you know, it was all about people doing it for the love of doing it. People didn't really make money for it. It was a hobby. Uh, you know, it less felt like a, a type of business. It felt like a community. It was just a space that you could own and kind of add your own little take to it. Uh, and the, the channels at the time very much reflected that, you know, um, to make a channel, you kind of almost made your own little mini websites and you had a lot of control over that. It was less formulaic and it was more uh, people left their creative touch on it. And it really felt like that. So it felt like a special place. It felt like quite a cool little community that brought niches of people together. It was uh, humble beginnings uh, for them. So obviously we're talking at two different perspectives here. As I'm more of a consumer where you actually did for uh, a long period of time, you actually created content, which is, um, I want, and I bring this in because I want to like fast forward a bit. By this point, um, Google has just bought YouTube. I think it's back in 2006. And you were sort of among like the rapid growth of it all. Anything that you first noticed, any big changes from that initial uh, buy? Did you see over the years how much it changed? Yeah, so I uploaded my first video in 2008, so two years after it got bought. And that's when I really started doing little bits and pieces, not taking anything seriously, but I used to upload little tutorials and this, that, and that grew into doing more and more video content. So from that point onwards was when I had the most involvement and, and was the most part of the community from a content creator's point of view. And uh, definitely, you know, the change from a content creator's point of view from then to now has been enormous. Um, the whole business model started to change um, once YouTube bought it. You know, they had this rapid growth, sudden explosion of content, you know, the, the user experience of the site really started to change. It felt more pro, like a company making these decisions corporately and less like a MySpace style blog where it was community driven. It felt that along the community were a massive part of it, that there was a big company making these decisions. So, you know, you start to slowly see ads coming in, maybe just in the corner. You know, this was before in-stream video ads. You know, these things started to come in. And then, of course, you know, the big content creators started to come out of that as they were able to make a little bit of money. We can easily name some of the, the big names. Some of them aren't really around doing content anymore. No, this is it. And we had a quick discussion and we quickly talked about some. And let me uh, put some out there, like the Gregory Brothers. Rebecca Black, 
which I want to bring back later on, yeah. and the, the Lonely Island, and you would see an, a, a theme with them, yeah. that they're all music creators. And with that first initial explosion, I felt that the music scene really just exploded. Yeah. Like, more than gaming, yeah. especially between 2008, 2010, like music dominated the platform. Yeah, full of people doing covers of songs, parodies of songs, uh, you know, really be actually before artists started taking it seriously, more towards the end of this section for us um, in, in the kind of brief history of, of, of YouTube. Uh, it wasn't, wasn't, Vivo was starting to come a thing, but it wasn't really in the early days. It was more people doing covers and it was a bit of a wild west in that time. People didn't really know where they stood doing these parodies and covers because the music industry hasn't quite caught up to on that. So you know, it was kind of this new thing. Um, people had been able to load covers of songs and it felt like a big community. Some real um, big artists came through from that. You know, you said Rebecca Black, love or a hater, you know, she she got the limelight and she got people's attention. Everyone was talking about her. You know, it's, it, you, you may think that it could have been something that was done partly on purpose. This is it. As well as, let's name one of the big ones. As you know the words that's going to come out of my mouth, Justin Bieber. Yes. He, he, to me, I knew of him in YouTube. Yeah. And when I first heard him on the radio, I thought, oh yeah, this is the YouTube guy. Yeah. And that's how they actually announced him at first. Oh, yeah. he's the YouTube kid. Yeah. And he was the first big music celebrity to come out of, of YouTube. And absolutely, it was, it was so bizarre. And why I say, oh, he's the YouTube kid, because I felt like industries around, especially music, didn't really adapt to it and almost took a shot at yeah. YouTube, they thought, well, they're not really professionals. They haven't gone through this uh, system that we're usually like. They haven't done like the bar gigs. They haven't really done the, um, they haven't been around for 10 years. They haven't working. done the circuit. Absolutely. And, and they thought this was uh, almost cheap, almost they had the back door in sort of thing, yeah. which is not the case at all. Especially now, there's a couple of people coming through who are going into the music industry. And I think uh, YouTube's music scene especially has gained a lot of respect. And you can almost attribute it to, dare I say it, Rebecca Black and Justin Bieber. And, and to a degree, even Taylor Swift, a lot of her first sort of music yeah. was posted on YouTube. Yeah, and now you see um, artists putting up their full albums on YouTube. To listen to that, you know, the latest Eminem brought his latest album out. Uh, the whole album is, is available to listen to on YouTube completely free, if that's what you want to listen to. And then you have people like The Lonely Island who made parody songs and then became big in their own way. They've had a movie and they've, they've got, the, you know, the members from The Lonely Island are in TV shows and all this kind of stuff. They've made a career out of, of doing these, these videos. Um, so it really started to blow up. But of course, you know, we talked about Fred earlier, the first person to hit a million subscribers. A million back then, that was insane. That felt like going to the moon. It, that's what it felt like. Well, I actually remember, uh, and this was back in 2010, I was in my IT class and I'll speak to my friend James and he said that this guy Fred has just hit a million. And we both said there and then, that'll never be topped. You know, that, that is the level. A million subscribers, how wrong we are now. If you look at <laughs> yeah. the, the millions that other people wrong. get, yeah. it's amazing. And the landscape has definitely changed. And I we've talked about music a bit, but after that, what really then took off was gaming. Like gaming really just shot off. Yeah. And as well as comedy really uh, took off at the same sort of time. With Smosh. With Smosh, Ray William Johnson was in there. And even Annoying Orange, as annoying as it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have a bit of a, like, 
love-hate relationship with Annoying Orange. Like I, I, and I do kind of used to enjoy it a little bit, but yeah, the name, the name really says a lot about that. But yeah, comedy, comedy and short films took off. You had a lot of creativity in coming on, people kind of really pushing the boundaries at the time for what you could do. And that really started to develop a slight question about, okay, where does, where does this fit in with, with traditional media in that sense, which we'll go into much later. But yeah, there was, there was a lot going on. There's a lot of fighting for, for the limelight and a lot of communities growing in their own way. The gaming community really grew. It grew a lot of attraction and there was, there was some really big um, commentators and, and video makers at the time. I'm glad you said that because um, I always think Call of Duty, you can actually attribute a lot of videos because of Call of Duty. Of People course. like Vanos Gaming made a living on doing uh, Black Ops videos yeah. uh, from Call of Duty, as well as stuff like Machinima, yeah. who were a juggernaut in its time. Like, especially for the first five or so years of YouTube, they were massive. I'm not saying they're not anymore, no. but when was the last time you or I probably watched a Machinima video? A very long time ago. I mean, for the people who don't know, Machinima um, is what's called a CDN. And essentially what um, CDNs do is that they... The best way to compare them in a way that's easy to, to understand is that let's say that they're like ITV on traditional television. They are like the, the main um, channel and then they pay... Uh, sub channels and sub creators to create content under their brand name. And to be honest, in a more in a more up to date way of talking about it, probably it's like Netflix funding a bunch of shows yes. and funding a bunch of creators, and then they go under the the Machinima brand name and they have the Machinima support. And at the time, it was a sign of recognition that you've done well. You must be a big time creator. You must be doing well for yourself because you're a Machinima. Because people still weren't making a ton of money off this. It still wasn't being seen as a as a career for people. It was just seen as thing people did for fun. Yeah, and you know, talking about machinima and having like these companies that pay, oh, one always comes to mind is uh, a guy called Bryceai. He does a lot of uh, songs relating to games like Call of Duty and all of them. And I always remember like some of his videos were called machinima, but also he'd post his the same video on his own channel, maybe a bit of a different um, like thumbnail or a bit of a different title. And the the views were so lopsided. Like the machinima would give him say ten million. For example, but his, one on his main channel gave him like not even a fraction. It was very odd to see. Yeah. But it's like you said, things like Machinima for a lot of YouTubers did work out quite well. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it was things like that that then spurred on the gaming conferences and uh, you know, meet and greets and stuff. That started to be slowly become a thing. Still very early, but slowly became a thing. I met my first first few content creators at an, an early Eurogamer conference, as it was called back then in London when they used to be in Earl's Court. Um, I met um, a, con a YouTuber I used to be really into at the time who isn't around anymore in the gaming world called X-Jaws. He was very, very big and Call of Duty commentaries, that was his thing, is one of the biggest. I met him and then, um, if any of you know the Cybern, I met Vicstar for the first time and then also met Syndicate, um, who uh, you know has been there since really one of the, some of the early days, but as, is still relevant today. And he's one of the few people who are still going. Uh, and yeah, the, the whole gaming conference didn't start coming. I think it started to come out of, as Eurogamer did start as, uh, and literally it was in a basement somewhere, to being in a convention center with, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people and it started to grow. And now you go to these conferences and they're enormous. Uh, you know, this is before the, the going to big gaming tournaments was a mainstream thing as well, which has definitely been pushed through online online uh, platforms like YouTube and Twitch. This is the kind of thing that started the whole avalanche 
that's that pushed everything forward into the next big stage for YouTube. And that was, you know, what I'm kind of calling the, the senior years. That's the future, the where we're at now. You know, YouTube becoming the leader of content creating. 300 hours every minute is uploaded on YouTube now. And we're starting to ask the questions like, is YouTube replacing TV? Are people not wanting to watch TV anymore? They're going to watch things like YouTube. What is TV? What does TV even mean? Uh, obviously, that's a whole thing going into talking about other platforms like Netflix, which we won't go into. But they they started to become this this juggernaut, which essentially owned the space. I mean, there's no other platform like them that's anywhere near as big as them. Well, this is it. And you've hit the nail on the head. It's almost blurring the lines of what is TV? And this is something, even when we went to uni together, this is a question that we were constantly asked of, what do you define as TV these days? Is it something in your living room that you sit down to watch with your family? At nine o'clock every day. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, of course, from the 50s to the 90s, you could argue, yeah, that was TV, yeah. you know, but now, uh, right now, I, when I go home, if I want to watch uh, something, it probably will be on YouTube on my own in my room. Yeah. yeah. And, and your water cooler moment, which was a traditional thing, is the comment section of that video when you go like, oh, guys, do you see what happens at three minutes 13? Isn't that funny? And that's how the, the, the thing developed, you know, then the community. And now there's lots of communities just based around a particular content creator. It went from generically around a, 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 an idea of, oh, gaming's quite fun on, online and this, that, to no, we are like, we are a community that love this particular content creator. And even even to the, the fact that they, you know, that they defend them no matter what. And that can cause some, some issues sometimes in the community, especially if something big happens. I'm afraid that's all we've got time for in this episode. Stay tuned to the next episode to hear all about YouTube's senior years and the problems that have arised during its rapid growth. Don't forget to tell your friends about the podcast and to hit that subscribe button so you never miss another episode. If you want to get in touch with us, you can in the usual ways on our social media. Links will be in the show notes, Twitter, Facebook. Send us an email. You can do any of those and we'd love to hear from you. Give us your thoughts and we may just mention you in the next episode. But until then, we'll see you guys next time. Adios. Bye.